Dean, uh, for sharing your story with us today. That was powerful. I'm Jennifer Kenny. I'm the Director of Family Ministries, and it's so good to be with you today. Um, I miss seeing you, and um, I want you to know that our staff prays regularly for you. So even though we don't see you, we think about you all the time, and we pray for you. Um, so it's great to be worshiping with you today, and today we will open the Bible and learn from the fifth commandment that God gave to Moses, and let's do that. Let's look in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. It's a short one. Uh, let's look at it together. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Exodus 20, 12. Well, before I begin, I need to tell you a little bit about me and a little bit about my um, family, um, because today is a personal day. Um, honor your father and mother. I can't help but put myself into this commandment, and I wanted you to know uh, who my people are. I've got a couple of pictures to show you, and I think the first one is of my husband and my boys. This is Don and Jackson and Carl. Um, this was taken a couple months ago, so I think each child is maybe a couple inches taller. That seems to be what's happening in our house right now. Uh, the next picture is one of my parents. Uh, this was taken of my mom and dad, Ed and Marie, um, upon their 50th wedding anniversary. We had a family reunion a couple years ago when they celebrated 50 years. They've been married 53 years. And one more picture shows from two summers ago, Grandma and Grandpa with Jackson and Carl. So these are my people. This is my family. I am a child, and I am a parent. Um, I also want to make sure that it's obvious to you that I speak from a very particular context and culture, and that might be different from what you experience in your home and in your family. And I know that various cultures um, express honor in very different ways. And so as you see my family, know that I come from a, a Christian home, a family where my parents have been married for 53 years, and my husband and I have been married for 20 years. I had to remember that. So that's a little bit about who I am, and um, that might help you as we uh, talk this morning. Let's pray. Father, may the words of my mouth, uh, may the thoughts of our hearts be pleasing to you. For you are our rock and our Redeemer. Lord, I pray that you would open hearts and ears. I pray that um, your spirit would speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're at a turning point in our study of the Ten Commandments. We're on commandment number five, and the first four have been, in relation, in, have been about our relationship with God. Pastor George and Mike have unpack these first four uh, commandments to help us understand more about how we are to relate to God. Um, we learned that God is holy and he desires our allegiance uh, and that God is the only object of our worship. We also learned last week that God wants us to stop. He wants us to take a rest and to enjoy a Sabbath from time to time. Now we're on number five. And number five, we learn about God's desire um, for our relationships with each other. And the next five commandments, numbers six through ten, will follow in that same vein, how we relate to one another. But some scholars think that number five, because it was on the first tablet, is still about our relationship to God. 
and it might be a pivotal commandment. Um, it is about our relationship to God, but it also introduces two more people into the story, our mother and our father. The fifth commandment is didactic. It is providing us a practical relationship as an example for a posture that we are to have with God. Honor. I want you to think about it this way. Can you think back to the first hand that you held? Think back further. In fact, I bet you can't really remember the first hand you held because it was likely that of your parent. You know, at the first couple days of infancy, a baby grabs onto a finger. It's a reflex. It's a hand to hold. And then as we age, we grab onto a hand of a parent as we're learning to walk. Those hands gave us confidence and strength and balance. Some of those hands are large and some are rough from work. Certainly, they're all very strong. And sometimes those hands held on too tight. Those hands rubbed our foreheads when we were sick and they provided comfort to us when we were upset. And for some of us, depending on our age, the hand was a hand of discipline. And for a very few, a hand of a parent brought abuse. And if you're one of those people, I know today may not be easy. My prayer for you is that you would hear from God. Hear what God would have to say to you today, because I do think he has a word for us all today. As God gives this fifth word to Moses, he was thinking about the people of Israel. He was thinking about generations, about a nation. God's intentions are not punitive. They're not restrictive. In fact, in the second half of the verse, we read that God wants to bless his people so that they can live long in the land that he is giving them. God is preparing the people of Israel for the best case scenario, for freedom and a right relationship with him. God's laws are good. Remember that he gave them to us while we were sinners. He understood our nature and our propensity to sin. He already knew that some of our parents would disappoint us, that they might abandon or hurt us. God's well aware of this sin, and yet he gives these Ten Commandments to Moses, these ten words to Moses. Remember, God saved the people first, and then he gave them these words to live by. His desire for his people is to live long in the land and bless them forever. Listen to what a Hebrew scholar writes about the fifth commandment. The home is infinitely more important to a people than the schools, the professions, or its political life. And filial respect, or parent, respect for parents, is the ground of national permanence and prosperity. If a nation thinks of its past with contempt, it may well contemplate its future with despair. It perishes through moral suicide. Wow, the implications for that are huge and long-lasting, and yet they begin in the context of a family, right at home. Israel's flourishing and survival hinged upon the way children considered and cared for their aging parents. In a Jewish family, parents would tell their children of God's saving grace, of his faithfulness. 
They would say, look, he brought us out of the land of of slavery. He's given us our freedom. And in that family, children would listen, and they would tell their children, and so on. So practically speaking, what does it mean to honor? How can we do it? And what about God's promise for us? Well, the word honor means to prize highly, to regard, um, place something in high regard, to exalt. It's a word that we often use in worship uh, when we're talking about God and to God. God's initial command does not say, love your parents. His command does not say, obey your parents. It says to honor them. And this honor allows space for those people for whom uh, love or obedience is difficult. Tim Keller writes, it says it this way. He says, no matter who you are, always honor Honor is a moral choice. It has nothing to do with feelings. Honor is a decision to treat your parents with dignity. It's a long-term loyalty for their best interests. For many of us today, the very first thing we, we need to do before we can even think about honor is that we need to forgive our parents. Let that be our starting place. Let's forgive our parents for the disappointment and the hurt. Forgive them for their their weaknesses and blind spots. Forgive them for holding on too tight. Forgive them for being tired, sad, and lonely. Forgive them for their pressures and their disappointments in life. Sometimes we place our parents in the position of God and we create expectations that only God can satisfy. And when this happens, well, very naturally, we become dissatisfied or disappointed. Only God can be God. God is the only one who can offer unconditional love. Our parents are human. They're prone to sin and imperfect, just like us. And yet God has designed that human life would be in the context of a family. He designed that babies would be born to a mother and father, and it would be the parent's job to raise the child, to educate the child, and then to launch the child into adulthood. And then the cycle begins again. The commandments were given before the people entered the land that God had promised them. He's giving them a guide so that they might be a blessing to others. Let's go back to our hand. Neatly, um, the hand has five digits, and so we're going to spell the word honor, H-O-N-O-R, with our fingers. This is just a way for you to remember that when you look at your hand and you see the number five, it's about the fifth commandment, and it's about honoring our parents, and let's look at that word honor more closely. Maybe these are some practical ways that we can honor our parents. First, H. I chose helpful. Kids, this is for you. You can be helpful. You can help your parents at home. Put your toys away. Pick up your dishes. Make your bed. Clean up around you. These, I'm starting to sound like a mom, aren't I? I know my kids are listening. Help with the laundry. These are all very practical ways that you can demonstrate being helpful to your parents. That you can show your parents that you're proud of them and the home that they have provided for you. Adults, we can help our our parents as well. In fact, many of us 
I know that we are tech support. Our parents call and want to know how can they use the iPhone or their computer or the newest app. We offer tech support. Sometimes we offer financial support. And later, as they age, we help them navigate medical decisions and opinions. These are the many ways that we can all be helpful to our parents. And some would argue that this is the point of this commandment, that as parents age and can no longer work for themselves, that their children, children would provide for them. Remember, God's not just thinking about a nuclear family, but a whole society. And at some point, the baton gets passed from children relying on parents to parents relying on children. Learning to help and to provide help is a way to show honor. The next letter is O. Let's talk about obedience. When we, we often will attach the word obey to this commandment, it's not the word that's written in Exodus, but it is how the Apostle Paul applies the command in Ephesians 6. And let me read to you from this chapter, Ephesians 6, verses 1. It says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and you may enjoy a long life on earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. In this text, Paul not only speaks to children, he speaks to parents as well. I like how Eugene Peterson has paraphrased it in the message. It says it this way. Fathers, don't exasperate your children by coming down hard on them. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. Paul talks about the back and forth dynamic in the family. Parents, don't fan the flame. Don't put salt on the open wound. And children, obey your parents' teaching. Obedience when we are young sets us on a good course. And it's a discipline that God asks that we have in relationship with him. Obedience to parents looks different at every age. When we're little, we need to hear them say, don't cross the street, eat your vegetables. And as we get older, we hear our parents say, be safe, call me. Let's look at the next letter, N. I chose the word near. One of the best ways we can honor our parents is to draw near. Our presence physically and emotionally matters to them. When we share our lives with our parents, they are able to see their fingerprints on us. The time that they spent in prayer and instruction and teaching, that becomes a reality in our presence. Not too many generations ago, this would have been relatively easy. Or, and in other cultures, it's relatively easy. Extended families lived with each other or very close to one another. And so it was very common. Presence was very easy, many times during the day. But in American life, we're scattered. Many of us have family across the country or around the world. And we try to bridge the gap with technology. A phone call, a text, a FaceTime. Now, during this COVID period, challenges are even harder. We wrestle with the decision of, is it, should I go see my parents or shall I stay away? Personally, I wrestled with this decision back in June. And I ended up deciding 
to go to be with my mom and dad in Arizona, and I spent a month with them. We knew of the risk, but I also knew that my presence in that moment was valuable. Children, a snuggle or a hug makes the biggest difference. Teens, eye contact. Sitting next to a parent on the couch while watching a movie. Introducing your parents to your friends. All of those things show presence. How might you show presence today? How might you honor your parents? This is an easy one. Pick up the phone. Make a decision to honor them by writing a letter, calling, texting, maybe driving by. N is for nearness and presence. Well, the second O, a little challenging to have two O's in a five-letter word, I chose the word open. And I'm going to go with open because we need to open our hearts and open our ears. We honor our parents by listening to their instruction. Again, in Ephesians 6, Paul tells the children to obey their parents, but it's the parents' job to teach and to instruct. Both parties are on the hook. When parents don't teach or instruct, children become exasperated or angry. Parents, hear me clearly on this. Please don't outsource your influence too broadly. It's really tempting to let the professionals do the teaching and instructing. But your voice does not need to be diminished. Especially if you are a parent of faith. Teach your children about your faith. No one else is responsible for this. I get frustrated when I hear parents say, oh, we'll leave the religious decision up to the child. We'll let them determine their own path. Parents, teach your children what you know. Open the scriptures together. Read together. Pray together. Let them know of your faith. Speak of God's faithfulness in your life. Not just when they're little, but even as they age into adulthood. And children, listen to your parents. Open your ears and open your hearts to listen to what they have to say. Proverbs 23:22 says this. Listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. I mentioned that I come from a legacy of faith. My grandparents on both sides of my family uh, believed in Jesus and raised their families in that way as well. My dad's side of the family lived in Pennsylvania, so we saw them less often and their influence was less. But my mom's family lived in the town right next to us, and I saw her parents very regularly. My grandparents were educated only through the eighth grade, and yet my grandfather, he was the first Bible scholar I knew. You see, I remember him opening his Bible. I remember him teaching from it. I remember him offering wise counsel to the members of his church and, of his, and to his family. What we know about Jesus is not something we get in an academic degree. It's not about our academic pedigree. It's about our relationship to him. So tell your kids about your relationship with Jesus. We get to know Jesus through studying the Bible, and we share our faith about that relationship. It's personal. It begins something like this. Let me introduce you to the one who changed my life. 
just like the people of Israel, we can pass on to our children how God has saved us. Well, the final letter is R, and you might have guessed respect. This is a pretty important word. We honor our parents when we show them respect. Respect lies in the heart of honor and in the fifth commandment. We respect our parents for giving us life. We respect them for the sacrifices that they've made on our behalf. We respect their, them for their own story. We respect them for doing the best that they can. Again, by respecting our parents, we learn about our place and our relationship to God. Proverbs 17.6 says this, Children's children are a crown to the aged, and parents are the pride of their children. It's within this word, respect, that you can place your love and your admiration. If you have a healthy relationship for, with your parents, we often talk about how we love and respect them. And for those of you who cannot yet love your parent, respect allows the grace or the space needed to be in a relationship. The other day I was talking to a friend of mine, a 50-year-old man named Sam, and Sam was reflecting on this commandment and his family. You see, his childhood was not a rosy picture of loving parents. By the age of two, Sam, Sam's stepdad moved into the family, and although he brought the family to church, Sam's stepdad took out his anger physically on Sam. Sam grew up hating his stepdad and the lie that his stepdad was living. And today, as Sam reflected on this commandment, he said, while I cannot yet love my father, I can respect him. I respect him for bringing me to church. Without him, I wouldn't have the faith story that I have today. And then he said this, and because of God's love and the respect that I have found, I am beginning to see a path forward. I can't help but begin to love him through God's love as I pray for him. A life honoring our parents leads to wisdom. That's the great gift of this commandment. Throughout the book of Proverbs, we read that a wise man respects his parents, he listens to them, and he seeks to bring them honor and joy. Do you see the circular nature of this? Wisdom perpetuates, perpetuates what may have started as a command or a discipline. Wisdom models and cultivates honor to the next generation. That's what living long in the, in the land means. A society which places parents in a place of honor is preparing its youth for the future. Again, from Proverbs chapter 4, it says this, Listen, my son, accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. I instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered, and when you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to instruction. Do not let it go. Guard it well, for it is your life. I mentioned my grandparents a little bit earlier. I want to tell you a quick story about my grandma. She was born on the 4th of July, and every year, her family, what would become four generations, would descend upon her one-bathroom house for an all-day party celebrating her. 
Every year we did this. This is how I grew up celebrating the 4th of July. In Oregon, in Canby, Oregon, in the backyard of my grandma, the same backyard that my mom grew up in. And every year we ate the same food. We looked forward to Aunt Louise's gumdrop cookies, Cousin Cindy's cheesy potatoes, my mom's chocolate strata pie. Uncle Kenny would help Grandpa start the homemade ice cream. We sat in a big circle around the lawn in lawn chairs, and we told the same stories year after year. Over the years, life happened. There were divorces. There were broken arms. There were fireworks that went astray. And death claimed the lives of a couple too soon. These same grandparents were married on January 1st, another holiday, and the family celebrated them as well on that day. While I was in high school, I wondered, would my family ever peel off and start our own tradition? Like, maybe could we sleep in on New Year's Day? Well, my restless spirit became calm, and I love that family gathering. I love that reunion. You see, I learned about honoring my parents as I watched them honor their parents. Honoring my parents was not so much a demand that they placed on me, but they showed me concretely how to do it. Their model became my teacher. Well, remember we talked about the hand. I want to finish here as well. And we started by thinking about the very first hand that we held, that of our parents. I remember holding the hand of my parents when I was afraid or when we were in a large crowd and I didn't want to get lost. I remember the hand of my mother turning, pages, turning the pages of her Bible as my brother and I sat close to her on the couch. I remember their hands clapping and high-fiving at one of my basketball games. I remember them waving me off as I walked into my dorm my freshman year of college. And I remember that proud handshake when I got my first job. I remember holding my hand, holding the hand of my dad, as he walked me down the aisle of this church to give me to my husband. And I remember their hands as they held brand new baby boys, my sons, their grandsons. As I mentioned, I flew to Arizona in June to be with my mom and dad. My mom's health was de declining, and I really wanted to be with her. This time, my hands were the strong ones. My hands tried to provide comfort. My hands tried to ease the pain. And in July, I had to let go of my mom's hand. As I released her hand, she reached for another hand. This time it was a man's hand, a hand with a scar in it. The hands of Jesus welcomed my mother into heaven. In May, I posted a picture of my mom on Mother's Day. I think we can see it here in a second. There it is. This is one of my favorite pictures. This was the day that my son Carl was baptized. And here you see my mom talking to Jackson, our oldest, as we stopped at Starbucks um, 
after church, one of our traditions each week. After I posted this picture, my mom called me and said, can you have the boys send me a video explaining what baptism means? Well, mine did, and they gave some pretty pithy but accurate explanations. And after my mom passed away, my brother said that she had called his family and asked his four kids to do the same thing as well. I'm sure that their answers were longer and maybe more complete. But what I do know is that I'm convinced that this is the assurance that my mom needed before she could go be with Jesus. She needed to know that her kids and their kids were following Jesus. That was her hope and her prayer. I honor my parents today primarily for the fact that they introduced me to Jesus. They taught and they instructed me in his ways. And I know that by trusting in Jesus, I will live long in the land that he has promised. By my tears, you know that I miss my mom. It's only been three months. And I need you to know that my parents weren't perfect. And I wasn't the perfect child. But what I can tell you is that my parents led me to the one who is perfect. You see, God gave us these relationships flawed though they may be, in order to pass along the witness, the testimony of who he is. He is faithful. He is loving. And he wants a relationship with us. As you think about your parents and your family, remember this, that Jesus offers us a new definition of family. The Son of God has died in our place so that we might become his brothers and sisters. Through Jesus, we can be adopted into God's family. 1 John 3, 1 says this, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. After I pray, uh, Zawadi's going to lead us in a song, and it's a song that my mom requested be played at her service. Um, And since we couldn't have her service, I asked if he would play it. I want to honor her through this song, but I also want to offer you an invitation, an invitation to put your trust in Jesus, to turn your eyes to him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the parents that you have given us. May we find ways to honor them as we honor you. And I pray today for those who yearn to be called your children. Would your spirit open our hearts and make yourself known? We thank you for your sacrifice so that we one day might join you and be called your children. Amen.